I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Owl Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Welcome to Owl Pellets. This is Brian Myers. I am here with Becky Haddad over there, Mike Ritalik down over there, and we are here by the Owl Pellet. And we are excited to have with us today, Kelly Claflin. Thank you so much for being with us here. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to be with you all. All right, Kelly, tell us a little bit about yourself and then jump right in and tell us a little bit about the topic for the day. Yeah. So my name is Kelly Claflin. I'm currently an assistant professor at Virginia Tech, but will move to Ohio State um, and work with Ohio agri-science teachers. And um, I hail from Wisconsin, so you'll hear my Midwest accent come across loud and clear. Um, But yeah, taught for five years in Northeast Wisconsin, middle and high school agriculture, um, and then did my graduate work at Oregon State. And during that time, I was really interested in how we can help alternatively or provisionally certified agriculture teachers. Um, And so this, what I'm gonna be talking about today is really looking at how a group of alternatively or provisionally certified or lateral entry or whatever term is in your state um, for teachers that did not come through a ag teacher prep program or hold a alternative or provisional license in that state. Um, but how they learn how to be an egg teacher, because we all know that there's more duties than just going to the classroom and teach. There's the FFA contest, there's egg teacher association, there's, and then there's the things that we just take for granted for those of us that came up through um, A classes in high school, middle school, um, went through a teacher prep program focusing on egg ed. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to talk about what we found and how we can help support um, those teachers that come into the profession outside of um, the university classroom. Certainly. So we're excited to learn a, a lot about uh, uh, what you had been studying and, and how it could help ag teachers and help with the programming. So why don't you set the stage and just uh, describe for us a little bit about this uh, project you're working on? Yeah. So I talked to 13 um, egg teachers from across the United States that either had gone through a teacher prep program in another content area besides agriculture. Um, a handful came from the egg industry. So they had been working in um, like egg engineering or um, horticulture, community garden sustainability, and then came into the classroom um, and received training um, as well as some um, other individuals that had started through a um, kind of an egg science undergrad and then decided that they wanted to teach afterwards. And so talk to them about their experiences and what it meant to be an egg teacher for them, as well as how they learned. Um, and learning for this project is really not just like sitting in the classroom and having a teacher talk to you. It's learning by observing, it's learning by engaging with other egg teachers. Um, and so there's some key, key points, um, mainly that 
they're alternatively certified teachers. And I'm just gonna go with that term because each state has its own and it gets confusing. Um, they're not a homogenous group. They all come with their own experiences and backgrounds. And a lot of that really um, can bring a lot to our ag ed, ag teacher community, um, as well as they all enter the classroom because they wanna teach and they wanna be with students and they wanna see students succeed, particularly in agriculture, whether that's, um, you know, to be informed consumers or to be successful in careers like our ag ed um, mission statement says. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you want me to transition there. I don't, I've lost my train of thought. I've forgotten how to talk to people. <laughs> Haven't we all? <laughs> Um, kind of on the, in that vein, as far as that, like, you know, they, they want to teach. So when we think about this as, you know, filling a need in our, in our teaching supply, how and where do we find some of these teachers as far as knowing they want to teach, knowing that, you know, there are ways, there are best practices that you've found in terms of how we support them. There are obviously things that they're going to learn as, as they go through. Um, what are some of those things that we need to think about as far as where those folks are coming from? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, in terms of recruiting, that's definitely, we need to um, move away from a kind of, they're not like us mindset. Um, because, well, I mean, really with egg teachers, we need some, um, some people that bring new ideas to the field and people that we can share, um, you know, as I, think about egg teachers and as we get together and you know talk about curriculum and share resources and program management. Um, alternately certified teachers or those that are coming in from industry or other fields um, really have a lot to add to it. Um, and I think this is anecdotal because um, I haven't focused much on the recruitment piece, but thinking about like who's in that local community that has a passion for agriculture and has a passion for students and then it's finding ways, and this is really where a gap is, is in each state, how do we get those people prepared? Whether that's um, with egg ed folks, whether it's through some other format that the state has set up. Um, but when we have alternately certified teachers come into the profession, there's a couple of key things that happen. One, they're gonna learn whether it's, part of a formal mentoring program or professional development program or not. Um, and all of my participants talked about how they were handed the keys and they were expected to do their job and not in a negative way. It was the like, hey, from the administrator standpoint, like we trust you, like you're gonna figure this out. Like we're gonna support you. Um, nobody talked about their administrators in a negative way. Um, it was just like, go figure it out. And the participants that I had in my study did figure it out. Um, and they had from one year to 27 years of experience. And so it definitely takes a few years as it does for all of us as we you know, go into, um, you know, if we remember our first teaching position or even if we move schools or you know, go into other careers, it, it, it takes a little bit to get the hang of things. Um, and so that was really, um, I think beneficial to think about that, like, it, there's not a lack of support necessarily, we just don't see the formal support. Um, and so 
the biggest thing I think was finding someone to help that teacher plug into the egg teacher community. Um, and so maybe that is a mentor. Um, maybe it's a formal mentor that, you know, the state egg teachers association assigned to this new person, but maybe it's, you know, the egg teacher down the road or a community member that says, Hey, you should go talk to so-and-so. So one of my participants got hired on Monday on Tuesday, had the FFA alumni meeting and the FFA alumni said, Hey, you need to go talk to this egg teacher. And then that egg teacher said, okay, here's the things that, you know, you need to get on the listserv. You need to do contact these people um, and kind of both welcomed in, but also kind of served as a translator or an interpreter. Like, here's what, what these words mean, right? With all of our acronyms. Um, here's what's expected of you that's not written out in your contract, right? Each state, we have certain professional development events that, you know, you're supposed to go to. Um, you know, you have FFA events that you're expected to bring students to. Um, and somebody to help you figure that out. And whether that person stays as a mentor or not, just having somebody to kind of welcome you in the door is really, really important. I think I think this is great, Kelly. Um, when you when you've got this going on here, I always say whenever we start talking about this topic of alternatively certified teachers, I usually get myself in trouble. But I really appreciate the focus you had here because I think too often people in roles like ours were trying to justify that, yeah. Teacher certification programs are the absolute best way to go to do that. And we we have to think they're good because that's what we do. But I love the positive aspect that you have here that we need this a variety of ways for people to enter this to, to, to get excited in this profession that we all love and, and, and uh, really enjoy. I, I would like you to talk a little bit more. <laughs> As you were talking there a minute ago, it kind of reminded me that ag teaching is sometimes seem like a cult because we have our own language. We have our own little secret society you know, other than a handshake and all this kind of stuff. And when people come in from other means, you know, lateral alternative certified means, they, they bring something new to the profession. And I think we oftentimes the profession loses that if we don't welcome them in to make those things happen. So from the teachers you saw, was there anything other than just that mentor or that, that kind of that guide to the secret society that brought them in? And maybe from your own examples, what can we be doing to break down that perception of that secret society to help engage and, and help those folks become more valued to help us learn from them um, when they enter in the profession? Yeah, absolutely. Well, to kind of go along with your first point, Ryan, I think one of the reasons I looked at alternately certified teachers in this way is that states and lawmakers and policymakers and all those people, they, they don't confer with us and ask us what we would like to do to train egg teachers, especially alternatively certified ones as we deal with teacher shortages, as we, you know, would all love them to do. Um, so it's really, you know, there's some moving pieces and it's until, you know, the people that are making the licensing requirements for each state, talk to us and let us tell them what we want them to do. You know, we're going to have teachers coming in, um, whether that's through, you know, our teacher ed programs or not. And sometimes, you know, depending on the state, our our teacher ed folks, you know, are providing professional development. They're working with 
um, state FFA and other state leaders to support these teachers. But yeah, there, it's not always through it. So it's how can we support people in doing good things for our students um, in the meantime, um, until we can control licensing. Well, and also like you're thinking, it's not like a deficit model. It's not like these people yeah. are coming in with some great deficit. They, they're bringing something else to the profession that we need to learn from them as much as we have to teach them. Um, and, and the passion that they have and the experiences that they have. A lot of times people who go through the traditional programs don't have, the, the, you know, there's other pieces. So there's really yeah. need the whole mix to make this thing work. So I, I really appreciate it. It's not the deficit model that we have to kind of fix these people to get them ready to teach. It's like they have something and we need to learn from them as much as we can, we can offer them to help grow as well. So I think that was great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, it's, um, you know, we're a career and technical education program. So if people are coming from careers in egg, um, you know, that's a format that a lot of our other CTE counterparts are doing for teacher preparation. Um, and so I want to touch on that piece because I think it's important to recognize like we're going to have good people come into the profession, um, but we can all probably name, you know, a, a person or a story that we've heard about somebody that's been a complete failure, but also as much as we want to not admit it, like some of our traditionally prepared teachers um, go down in flames. And so it's really, you know, how can we help everybody instead of this either or? Um, and so I will kind of um, play the long game and say some of the answers to the last question you asked about like, what do we do and how do we do that? That's in a, another paper um, that's yet to be released. Um, but I think it's really just changing our mindset. And that's not to say that everybody has a negative mindset, right? But I think as I've been a part of conversations with people across the United States for the past five years about alternative certification, it can be a very like, but like they don't know what AGED is. Well, some of them do. Some of them came through AGED. And although they may not understand, you know, the back end, like, what does it take to turn in an FFA roster? And how do you fill out, um, you know, grant paperwork to get funding for your program and all those, like, they, they get it. There's a reason why they came back. Um, and then there are those individuals that have, like, maybe heard of FFA or like, the, a, the school down the road had A classes, but, you know, they weren't really in it. Um, that do need to learn more about that. But so do our non-traditional AGED majors um, that come in to our teacher ed programs. And so I think some of this can relate to those um, folks as well. Also, I hear the puppy coming down the hall. Um, we'll make this really good for everybody to edit. Um, but I think in looking at how we can support, it's changing our mindset. Um, but also thinking about how we share the message. You know, we talked about that kind of person to welcome you in the door and kind of interpret, like, here's what those emails meant. And like, here, here's what, what we really do. Um, but think about um, how to engage those new folks, make them feel like they have a seat at the table, but also think about how we are talking about school-based again we know we are awesome and we share that a lot, but for somebody outside of AGED, 
that can be a turnoff at times that like, well, I taught Spanish. Does that mean that like foreign language is not awesome? Or like, you know, my, you know, wife is a elementary teacher. Does that mean like they're not as awesome because egghead is the best? Um, so like being able to say egghead is awesome and so are other things. Um, and here's the ways that we're awesome, um, but not making that a turnoff. Um, and then thinking about, you know, as I think about the what I experienced in Wisconsin as an egg teacher, like if we took students to career development event contests, we all huddled up by wherever the treats were um, and chatted and checked in with one another and talked about curriculum resources, but it was very informal, but yet that happened every time, right? Like, but nobody said, hey, at the CDE contest, this is what you're going to do. And so helping people understand in your certain regions of the state or, you know, in the state that you're in, you know, what, what are those expectations that if you don't see somebody engaging, you're like, but why aren't they here? Well, maybe they don't know that. Um, and also think about just how you talk um, to alternatively certified teachers and thinking about asking them, what are your experiences and what can I learn from you? You know, um, an alternatively certified teacher I've talked with, you know, was um, in the horticulture industry. So he brings a wealth of information about you know, nursery stock and, you know, all things horticulture that we can learn from, right? Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of changing that focus and thinking about um, how we, how we welcome people in and how we just talk about the expectations that we have of one another of egg teachers in a positive way instead of like, well, you didn't show up to these events. So like, obviously you don't care. Well, if you didn't know that those events were important, then why would you show up? So, so part, part of that awareness, and I really appreciate the conversation around this. Um, and I'm thinking about it as a kind of a practitioner. So whether we're state staff, association staff, um, teacher ed faculty that are doing programming, where do you see the, the overlap and also maybe the differentiation between alternatively licensed uh, teachers and then our pre-service teachers that are coming out. Because I, you know, a lot of the things you're talking about holistically, I think it, both groups would uh, really value and, and uh, see um, a lot of uh, support from that. So where, how, how do you build that awareness and yet understand that you got two different groups, but also provide similar kind of programming? Yeah, that's a really great point, Mike. And one that I've thought about too, like the, especially in the next study um, or part of the study of like, how do you learn and how do you participate with egg teachers? Like, that's what I did when I was at UW River Falls, you know, that like I was observing and I was engaging. And so it made it that transition professional a lot easier. Um, and so there's a lot of overlap, I think, where it can be different for pre-services, some of that, um, you know, is taught when we talk about FFA and supervising student organizations, or you bring in um, state leaders to speak to classes and they kind of um, talk about those expectations and like, we're all in this together, that sort of thing. As well as if you have students volunteer 
to help with judging events or speaking contests or whatnot, where they may get to observe some of that more so. I think where it differs with alternatively certified teachers is that depending on the state you're in, that might be trying to, you know, welcome a large group of teachers, or it may be just one or two, and they're all coming in from different areas. And sometimes, I know in Oregon, to identify some of those alternatively certified teachers because they were in schools that maybe had just started an egg program or like nobody notified, you know, egg ed staff saying like, hey, I got hired in this position. Um, and so that can be difficult just to say like, who, who's coming into the profession and, and wh what do they already know and what do they need to know? Um, and so I think there's probably a more individualized approach or at least that has been the case in the past um, from what I've learned in my research and anecdotally um, in reaching alternatively certified teachers. And I think the challenge with, um, you know, as we, they should be involved with, you know, new teacher orientation if they're coming in fresh um, from another profession. Um, but, for those that have teaching experience in science or whatever other um, areas, you know, they don't always like to be considered new teachers, right? Like they don't need to know how to write a lesson plan or like reinforce some of that, but they could absolutely, um, you know, benefit from curriculum resources and other things. So I think it's finding that balance of how you communicate um, or letting them know like, hey, we recognize that you have this experience. This is still gonna be helpful for you. So like, please just bear with us for this part where you're with a bunch of newbies that have never taught. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if there's a, there's a magic answer to that, but um, definitely a lot of overlap. Um, but those pre-service teachers maybe get a head start with some of those opportunities that we have for them. Um, at the undergraduate or graduate level, depending on where you're in school, um, with and with alternatively certified teachers, making sure that you're recognizing what they're bringing already um, as you support them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's knowing that there's different groups and then also don't assume and yeah. ask uh, what the needs are and where the help may need. Because I think too often we just assume that and, and Brian mentioned it earlier, they're alternatively certified. So they're gonna have certain needs or whatever. And, and yet we don't know that in a lot of cases and everybody's needs and situations are a little bit different. So asking and finding out where those needs are and, and building that support system based upon those needs, it probably would go a long way too. Yeah, and I recognize that that's a big ask. Like mm -hmm. we are all short on time, um, but that relationship matters. And if you don't feel like you're part of the team, why would you continue to be, you know, try to be part of that team? Um, and I think another big piece is um, the alternatively certified teachers in our states are pretty amazing and really persevere. Um, the amount of licensing things that they have to go through and hoops to jump and the changes that states make to licensing um, that they need to keep track of while also teaching and being an egg teacher, you know, encapsulating all those other things, including FFA duties and CTE and, and um, 
so yeah, I think it's, you know, we really, you know, egg teachers, we know are amazing. Alternatively certified egg teachers are doing a really great job above and beyond what I think we give them credit for. Well, this has been a phenomenal conversation. And then for me, the notes I'm taking for us to be talking about here is we have to remember this is not a straight line profession. You know, so many of us think everybody has to have the same experience we've had in order to be successful. On this call, we've got four people, all four of us, I hope would think we're probably at least somewhat successful, at least you, you three, I survived. We made this through here, but our experiences were different. We all came into this profession differently. And so how do we make sure we recognize that um, with, with other professionals because they're gonna come into this profession from different places, like you're, like you're talking about. This is the way it's going to be. And it's not a one size fits all sort of a thing. And even this, the individuals that come into our programs. And the big thing here, I, I think this conversation, Kelly, you left on is how do we think about how do we help them learn through this process as they come in through um, uh, the non-traditional ways. But the other thing that I challenge us, those that are state leaders right now, how do we bring those people that don't follow that traditional model Maybe they can help us see things that we are blind to. Maybe they can help us see where the emperor has no clothes and we can go through and figure out why in the world do you do it that way? Because the industry does it this way or that makes absolutely no sense to really to build this larger, larger thing here. So Kelly, thank you so much for your work and sharing it with all the teachers throughout pellets. I love the teaser you gave like, wait, there's more to come. There's another, there's another, there's more research to happen to go from there. And so I will take that as you, as you inviting yourself to come back to our pellets, to share that with, with us and the ag teachers uh, when that work comes out. So thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah. Thank you all. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers.